and welcome to the North Pole on Wednesday night. Uh, thanks for bearing with the schedule changes, everybody. I'm here with Rob Murphy tonight, big Indianapolis Colts fan, and then Kevin O'Brien, big Taysom Hill fan, as well as a big Green Bay Packers fan. Both of these guys have been on my show before. Love having you guys on. Uh, Rob, thanks for coming on. Thanks, yeah. Thanks for having me, Gabe. Love to uh, talk about the Colts, talk about how good they are and how bad the Packers are. Kevin, would you like to respond to that? Thanks for coming on as well. No, I'm good. (laughs) All right. So let's get started. I'm going to go through uh, a little, like the key, the really, what was the key, Rob? I want to start with you because the Packers, they don't lose often. And the Colts have now swept the entire NFC North. Let's just start with what has been the key for the Colts season beating all of these NFC North teams who, in my opinion, the NFC North is one of the better divisions in the league. Yeah, I mean, the NFC North is definitely a good, and I think sometimes fly a uh, division that flies under the radar a bit because of uh, how much, uh, how many great divisions there are this year. Uh, but I think really the key this year has been defense. I mean, defense is always the key, in my opinion. Defense wins championships, as we all know. And uh, even on a Sunday, we saw, like, came out a little weak obviously Aaron Rodgers three touchdowns in the first half that's never a good sign but the fact I mean holding the Packers specifically the Packers offense to only three points for the rest of the game after that is honestly one of the more impressive things I think the Colts have pulled off this season and so yeah I mean defense wins championships and it's been winning us games all season and I mean when Phillip Rivers is throwing for uh, a little over 250 yards and three touchdowns too that's not something that happens on every Sunday so that helps also yeah, Ed, Kevin, the Green Bay Packers, they they stay losing to old quarterbacks. How did you let Phillip Rivers go off on you? He's It looked like he was wearing sneakers, and he had half a foot playing in this game. How did you let Phillip Rivers beat you guys? I'd love to hear your, your take on that. Yeah, I feel as if the third quarter was the main headline in this. The Packers went three and out twice in the third quarter, and they fumbled on one of the kickoffs resulting in uh, Indianapolis. And points. I want to interrupt you there just to a clarification. That was Darius Shepard. If Tyler Irvin is playing in this game, he's usually returning kicks, you know? Yes. Tyler Irvin is usually returning kicks. He was out this game with a wrist injury. So yeah, I think the third quarter was just the Packers downfall in this game. I mean, the only points they scored in the second half was the three to force overtime. And even that drive, obviously, they started at their own five, I think, with a minute and something left. And they just had to had to have it. Otherwise, the game was out of reach. But yeah, third quarter was really the Packers downfall. And yeah, I'm done talking. <laughs> well, Rob, the Colts are not a team that you would think is is built for a come from behind win. Uh, they like to play methodical, run the ball, milk the clock, uh, have Philip Rivers be a game manager. But they were down twenty eight to fourteen in the third quarter in this one, uh, and they made a big comeback. Who is who deserves the most credit offensively for that comeback? I mean, I think this one you can give to Philip Rivers uh, as much as he's inconsistent uh, to say sometimes he ultimately played a pretty well, a pretty well-rounded game. And when he doesn't make mistakes, that's when our offense really flourishes. So it's like, I, I said, this is the last time I was on the show. 
our running game is always going to be good. Our offensive line is always going to hold. As long as Phillip Rivers doesn't make too many mistakes, we'll win games if our defense plays well also. So our defense played well. Phillip Rivers made, what, one interception, and it was very accurate throwing the ball. One of his best games all around all season. So I think that you can give him the credit for this one. Yeah, his stats don't lie. I mean, this game was probably his best game. Uh, PFF says this was his best passing game of the year. And the stats don't lie. 24 for 36, 288 yards, three touchdowns, just one interception. But what I saw through PFF, I I subscribed to their advanced subscription because I love numbers. And what they said is that with no pressure, this guy was great. 19 for 26, 210 yards at 73% passing for three touchdowns, no picks when there was no pressure. So you give Phillip Rivers a clean pocket, which was essentially this entire game, and he's going to do good things. That's what he's built his career on. Now, Kevin, the Sacksmiths, what's going on there? Zadarius Smith was, was lost in this game. Preston Smith uh, lost. Where are these guys? And you, these are big games. You need your pass rush to step up. Is Mike Patton to blame for this, or is their pass rush just simply not that good? Well, you got to look at the uh, Colts' offense and really dissect what Phillip Rivers was doing well, and that was dropping back and getting the ball out of his hands very, very quickly on these slant and out routes that I thought were very effective against the Packers' defense, and they ran the ball well. We know that the Packers' defense does not have the best rushing D. So they took advantage of the Packers' weakness. They ran the ball, even though I thought this was one of the Packers' better defensive games in the past few weeks. They still had their had their way. This was better. Just, this was this was this was one of the better <laughs> defensive games. In okay, the past few weeks. all right. First half, I will give them that. I mean, the Packers, they their defense. It's it's not. I, it gets a lot of uh, it gets knocked often, but I think they have a good. They have a lot of good players on that defense. It's just a matter of executing, and they just didn't execute in that second half, in my opinion. Yeah, Tom Scavetta with the comment: Michael Pittman sneaky good. I want to add to Kevin's uh, comment before that they had most of their passes short in this game. Uh, eighteen of uh, Philip Rivers' twenty-four completions in this game were beneath ten yards from the line of scrimmage, and like you said, those slant routes. Most of his yards were coming from those short slant routes. Not a single Colts receiver had more than three catches in this game. He spread the rock around beautifully. And that's Colts football. It's team football. And that's the issue I have with the NFC North at this current moment is that none of these teams are complete. That's why the Colts have swept them. I think they are just a more complete team than each of these teams. Each team in this division is very flawed. And to make to win a Super Bowl, it's... Uh, it's a lot easier to win when you don't have a lot of flaws. Um, so, Billy, on that uh, that comment by Tom, Michael Pittman, T.Y. Hilton, who's the stud on this on this receiving core? I mean, it's like the 49ers from a year ago. There wasn't one guy that really stuck out. Exactly. And, I mean, I think that's the beauty of it. That's why, that's why I love being a fan this year. Just like you said, it's team football. And, like, there is – I mean, normally I would say it's T.Y. just because of history and what he's done. But, I mean, like – He's honestly been our least effective receiver this year. And so Michael Pittman's been playing very well. You know, our, our tight ends, Jack Doyle and Mo Alley Cox have been playing very well. Uh, it really, it just boils down to everyone executing. And when the offensive line, like you said, is giving Phillip Rivers the time he needs 
and our receivers are getting open on those short routes, you, it's just, it's football. You can't beat that. You can't beat when everyone's executing what they got to do. And so that's, I think, ultimately what it comes down to is Kevin rules his eyes is coaching. And as, as, uh, as much as Matt LaFour is a great coach, I'm not, wouldn't try and take anything away from him. Um, I think Frank Reich is honestly, obviously I'm biased, but I think he's the best uh, head coach in football right now. He really understands on what to do with the team and how to get them to rally around each other and to do their jobs efficiently. Yeah. It- Kevin, uh, on the, I want to go back to your defense and Mike Pettin. I mean, at what point does this, is it enough? Uh, this defense has been consistently bad this year and they're, it, you have to look at the coaching because this team has some talent on defense. You look at the guys, Kenny Clark, Zadarius Smith, Jair Alexander. There's plenty of talent on this team. Uh, is there a scheme issue here with what they're running or do you really think there? What's your take on Mike Patton? I really want to hear it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that are Packers fans that are calling for Mike Patton's uh, job, and uh, honestly, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with this defense. Obviously, that you mentioned it before, they have a lot of big names on on the lineup. But uh, yeah, I think ultimately you have to look at behind the scenes what's going on why are these schemes not working? Why is every offense running the ball down our throat week in and week out? And I think there ha- there's a big question mark on uh, Mike Pettin's job. He- but, well, let's just say after the season, if they do not reach the Super Bowl, I don't think Mike Pettin will be there the following year. It's fair, fair assessment. Guys, in this game, PFF rated the top defenders for the Packers. Kamal Martin, Rashawn Gary, and uh, Dardell Savage, and Adrian Amos. The bottom guys were Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, and Jair Alexander. So you see the star players on the Packers defense not showing up in big games. Um, And then on the other side, the Colts, their best guys came out in this game from how I saw it. Kenny Moore was super high rated. Uh, and then you had Blackman with the game winning force fumble. Uh, Xavier Rhodes didn't really do much in this game. Uh, I think they tried to keep him as far away from Devonte Adams as possible, given their history, which was very smart. <laughs> but uh, what did the Colts do defensively, Rob? And what do you like about this Colts defense? I mean, I honestly, I think my favorite thing is the youth. I mean, everyone is very young on this defense, and it's something to be very hopeful about. The fact right now remains that we are holding QBs to the lowest QBR in the NFL by a few points, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, right now, every it's a good time to be a Colts fan, and the defense is like functioning on all cylinders. Julian Blackman, I think, is, should be the defensive rookie of the year and is at least definitely in the running for it, given the way he's been playing. He stepped up and filled the... Uh, Malik Hooker's shoes when he went down very well. And honestly, it's, uh, I mean, granted, I love Malik Hooker, but it's been an improvement over his play, frankly. And so uh, everything is running well right now. I mean, the last few weeks when Darius Leonard was off the field, you could really see, uh, you could really uh, miss his absence uh, on plays. Like when he played against the Packers in the week before, he's on every tackle. And so it, he, I think, is the best linebacker in football, and he really uh, took Aaron Rodgers' comments to heart and proved it on the uh, field Sunday. And I think when every player is playing up to their potential like that, we're hard to beat. Yeah, uh, 
the I wanted to go to another stat from the Colts defense. They only um blitzed on five dropbacks in this game from Aaron Rodgers. So DeForest Buckner, uh guys on that defensive line getting to Aaron Rodgers, they didn't ha- he wasn't under pressure like crazy all game, but just the fact that they can make him have to throw the ball pretty quickly with four guys helps that secondary a ton. Um and Rodrigo Blankenship, four field goals. I mean, his name has been called all year. Uh, I, I said it was after the the Packer or the Bears game. The Colts had Rodrigo Blankenship single handedly win them that one. The Vikings game, I think he had like five field goals in that one. Yeah. So uh, Rodrigo Blankenship is is their MVP in a in a weird way offensively. He probably has accounted for most of their points this year. Yeah, I mean, Venetari, like when he was on the Colts, he's the NFL leader in points. I mean, we're, we're a team that plays fundamental football. And when you play fundamental football, you need a good player in every aspect. And so when you have a, a good kicker and a good special teams, especially forcing fumbles and uh, getting those extra possessions in those, uh, in those manners, it really helps you in so many different ways. And uh, Blankenship is been something that I wouldn't even expect it, honestly. Like losing Venetari, I was very nervous going into this season and I was really hopeful that we were going to draft someone like him. And when we did, it was one of my favorite picks of the entire draft and it really has proven to be a, a rewardful pick. So, I mean, honestly, it's just, I, I was really surprised we won this game. I'm not going to lie. When I turned it on, I, we were down a lot and Cobb was rubbing it in my face. So I, did, I wasn't hopeful, but they proved that good football ultimately prevails. Yeah, Kevin, somebody, Kevin was huge on coming into this week. It was Alan Lazard, and Alan Lazard put up just under four fantasy points this week, and something that doesn't go in the stat sheet is that he was the guy who missed the block on that bubble screen to Marquez Valdez-Scantling that led to the fumble. So, Kevin, who is big on Alan Lazard, who's if I don't mind adding was the reason you lost this week in fantasy. <laughs> why, why were you so big on Lazard this week? All right, Gabe, let's uh, before we touch on Alan Lazard, let's just keep it real before Sunday, Saturday night, I'm with Gabe Fleeton being socially distanced as always. And he tells me, Kevin, you got to get Alan Lazard out of your lineup here. Look, Jarvis Landry, is here. You got to take him. Look at this 14.8 points. Come on. Uh, Jarvis Landry proceeds to put up one more play down Lazard. So I will never take any. That's just throwing that out there to the review and preview boys. Never taking Gabe's advice on fantasy. He is a stooge and a sellout. Uh, but yeah, what were we talking about? Oh man. Uh, we were talking about Alan Lazard missing that block and his <laughs> Matt Masterson who, who beat Kevin in fantasy this week. Anything. All right. Well, uh, fix your, fix your headset or unplug your, your headphones. Um, by a Wi-Fi issue, he's frozen. Uh, Alan Lazard, I mean, this Vikings or this Packers team with their receiving core is really weak. I mean, Robert Tanyan is probably their second best option. Kevin, you, what are you doing over there? You're you're having you're spazzing out. I I gotta figure out what's. I'm gonna remove him from the stream, and then uh, he'll come back when he gets the chance. Uh, 
So, uh, Rob, I want to touch up uh, with a few more minutes we have. I just want to touch up on the the running game here. Is the, I looked at PFF, all their yards, like or a good portion of their yards as Kevin comes back on, was up the middle in this game, and that's where Kenny Clark is. The Colts just gashed them up the middle. Jonathan Taylor loves to go between the tackles. Um, how important is it? that they can rush in between the tackles, milk that clock. This seems like the formula for a Super Bowl team, a la the 49ers of last year. Yeah, I mean, I think running up the middle of the field is crucial. Uh, when you can really stretch out the defense like that, or rather force them to come in like that, then you stretch out the defense ultimately. And so it really, running up the middle just opens up every facet, whether it be running outside, uh, uh, QB uh, options outside, and so many other different plays just having that type of ability to just pound the ball down the throat of the defense. It really, I mean, not only does it kind of limit the confidence of the defense over the course of the game, but it really just wears them down. And ultimately if you can do that and execute in the red zone and score points, then you're never going to lose. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, Kenny Clark, uh, is he dropping off? I mean, he hasn't really been a threat in the middle of that defense. Christian Kirksey, I forgot to add, was playing in this game as well. Um, so you have your interior guys back and healthy, but the middle was just uh, shredded all, like in this game for the most part. I mean, the Colts have been doing this to everybody. I understand that. But what are your thoughts on Christian Kirksey and Kenny Clark in that inside? Uh I think Kenny Clark is a victim of his own success. I mean, he's a household name now. Everyone knows who he is. Everyone's going to game plan for him. So he's going to face a lot of double teams. And when you're a great defensive lineman like he is, you're just going to have to deal with that. Obviously, he's not going to have the stats as he once had in years prior. But that that makes up those double teams make up more opportunities for other interior defensive linemen and linebackers in which – the Packers had not had success with their other interior and defensive linemen and linebackers. But uh, Christian Kirksley coming back in the lineup had a great game. I felt like, I don't know exactly how many tackles. I didn't look at the stats, but that interception he had on, on a tipped Philip Rivers pass was a real, uh, real clutch moment in the first half, which led to the Packers going up 28 to 14. And uh, yeah, I thought Christian Kersley played really well. And you mentioned earlier, Kamal Martin. I've been a huge Kamal Martin guy since day one on this, on this show. Kamal Martin was one of the highest graded defensive players. I don't know where he was on the final drive. They subbed in the uh, Ty Summer. I think his name's Ty Summers in their form. I don't know why the hell they would do that. But yeah, that's, uh, that's my take on the Packers, middle linebackers and Kenny Clark. So let's stick with that real quick. How bad does that Jordan Love drafts pick now seem for Green Bay, a team that really could have used a really good uh, defensive player, maybe an extra weapon on their receiving core? What What do you think about this uh, that that draft pick now? Stupid, it's dumb. He's not even he's not even suiting up for the games. They have Tim Boyle as QB two, and he's in he's in sweatshorts. This yeah. this is my turkey leg. It's pretty it's sad. Ha- ha- Why not even suiting up? Uh, thank you for watching the show, Michaela, and thank you, John Suggs, as well for tuning in. 
Um, yeah, Rob, you want to comment on that on on that draft pick from yeah, the I Packers? Mean, like, I thought he would at least be suiting up, and they would be getting him like some game reps, maybe in the fourth quarters against teams when they're up. Like, I don't know. I just like I think it's a tough pick to judge. Still, obviously, given that we still haven't seen him on the field, who knows? He could be the next Aaron Rodgers when Rodgers retires. Like, ultimately, it's a tough pick to judge. Still, but yeah, I mean, in hindsight, given where they are now defensively. You really want, you really could have used that on one of the top defenders in the draft. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, anything else, I mean, on this game, anything on the season, anything else you guys want to plug before I, I let you guys go? Are you guys talking to me? I'm frozen. Yeah, uh, we're just wrapping up, Kevin, if you can't hear me. Rob, anything you want to add to the conversation before I try to get Kevin and his awful Wi Fi out of here? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think. It was a great game on Sunday. I think both teams are going to be in the Super Bowl running. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw each other again, maybe down the road in that scenario. Uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, the Colts had a great game. If there was one thing I'd like to say that we need to improve on, it was penalties down the line. Those penalties in the end of the fourth quarter almost cost us the game. And uh, whether it was pass interference or holding, definitely that's something we got to improve on. But other than that, we played a pretty perfect game yeah that last drive was crazy with all those holding calls yeah I I could imagine it's if if the Colts didn't win that would be the entire topic of this conversation but the the Colts I mean there was a lot of flukes in this game I mean with fumbles and turnovers it was a really weird game but these are the kinds of games that happen in the playoffs where things don't go right and I think this was probably our best taste of what good playoff football looked like this season. Um, and now, Kevin, uh, before I let you go, what are your thoughts on the Packers moving forward? Do you think they still got a shot at winning it all? Uh, obviously, yeah. Uh, first things first, got to take care of the Bears this this uh, Sunday night. Uh, that should be no problem considering the fact that I don't even know who's playing quarterback for the bears at this moment. I don't know if it's going to be Nick Foles or I hope I pray to God that it's Mitch Trubisky. I've, I've been, I miss seeing him all season. Uh, I'm excited to see him if he's in the lineup, but yeah, obviously they have a little bit of a tough road ahead. I know they face the uh, Titans and the Panthers are a sneaky good team. I think they're a little feisty, but uh, honestly they're, they're just playing for that number one spot in the NFC. And uh, I'm excited to see how it ends up. And uh, I'm just really glad that no other NFC North teams besides maybe the bears are in the hunt. Yeah. And as Tom comments, Mitchell Trubisky is getting the start this Sunday night. So Mitch Trubisky prime time, that's going to be must watch television. I'm the excited. Bears, yeah. I'm excited too. The bears have been playing really bad in prime time this year. And I think the Packers will definitely Definitely show them up. That's my prediction. And then one more comment before I let you guys go from Matt Masterson. Don't sleep on the Giants. Coming for you, Cobb. Okay. All right. Well, guys, thanks for coming on as always. I hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving and uh, best of luck the rest of the way to your teams. Thanks for having us, Gabe. You too. Thank you. (laughs) All right. And that will wrap up uh, that segment as I now will move on to the Detroit Lions, uh, they're getting, they're making the cut this week. Um, they really, really let uh, 
dropped the ball this week versus the um, as I try to get my sign in the uh, oh, it's just not going to happen. Um, the Lions just did not show up this week. They lose twenty nothing to the Carolina Panthers. And just some facts about this game: Matt Stafford throws for only a little over one hundred forty yards. Uh, the Lions had 10 first downs, uh, 185 total yards. They didn't enter the red zone once all game long. And they they had just four penalties for 20 yards. This was just flat out bad football from them. Um, they had they, Their offense just did not put together complete drives. Every drive in this game but one resulted in in a, at least one first down. So they went three and out just one time in this game, which is actually pretty spectacular. Uh, when you think about it, it, usually in a game where you get shut out, you would expect three and outs left and right this game, every drive, but one, they got a first down, just putting it together was not in the recipe for this game. Um, the emergence of TJ Hawkinson is something I like to, to note. That was a plus for them. Uh, he was their leading receiver with four catches, 68 yards. I, in my feverish takes from, from last week, uh, my week 11 hot takes, TJ Hawkinson, I predicted, would, be, would have over 100 yards receiving. Uh, he didn't have that, but I wasn't that far off, 32 yards off. Um, other stats on this one. Adrian Peterson, I mean, he got the start this week. His relationship with the Lions offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel, goes way back to Minnesota in the Brett Favre days. He is looking really bad this season after DeAndre Swift kind of got more involved in the offense. No Swift this past week killed the Detroit Lions. Adrian Peterson is now, this game, he had seven carries for 18 yards while the Lions rushed for just 40 yards in this game as a team. Carry on Johnson, just six carries, 18 yards. Um, Adrian Peterson is ranked last of all running backs in PFF this year at 63. He's, he's lost a step. He's not a dynamic running back that the Lions are really searching for. So DeAndre Swift they need him back 100% if they want to still make a playoff run. Because let's be honest, guys, this this team is still in the hunt. I like to to degrade the Lions all the time because of the things that they do consistently and they've been doing my entire life. It's hard to give them a lot of faith, but they're still in the hunt. And if Matt Stafford plays better, which there's no indication that he will because Kenny Galladay's still out. Uh, he's not getting the ball to Marvin Jones frequently enough, and he's just flat out having one of the worst seasons in the last eight seasons of his career. Stafford's ranked 23rd of all quarterbacks at PFF, uh, and this is coming off of a year where he had his best PFF ranked season in 2019 before his season-ending injury. Matt Stafford, this is his fourth worst rating by PFF in his 12 year career. He came into the league as a rookie in 2009 when I think he threw 29 interceptions. Don't quote me on that, but it was a high interception count his uh, rookie year, but all in all injuries are hurting this team offensively. No doubt. We can't look past that, but 
a, a bright spot in this team this year for Detroit was their offensive line, their offensive line with Taylor Decker, Frank Ragno, uh, not even going to pronounce the, their right guard's name, Vitae. His first name is very hard to pronounce, but this offensive line, they put some real investing in their infrastructure this year at, to protect their their rich quarterback in Matt Stafford because he did get hurt last year. They want to keep him healthy, but at what cost it's hurting their team uh, as an overall team. They don't have defensive guys that are, are very good and their receiving court could be better. Their running game has been solid this year, all things considered, but it's really in this game, they allowed six sacks and the Panthers have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. The Panthers uh, PFF ranks them as the 29th worst defense in the NFL. And when you look at this score, 20, nothing you, and you look at how bad these defenses are. The lions are 31st worst Panthers, 29th. You expect a shootout. Not today. Uh, not in this game. PJ Walker got the start for uh, Carolina. He, sh- he, he kind of shredded this defense quite a bit in this game. Um, the Panthers building on this bad defense that the Panthers somehow uh, rewrote this week. They were the second worst pass coverage team, uh, according to PFF. That's second worst. And Matt Stafford could throw the rock. I, it's got to be Galladay's absence. I, I, it comes down to, to that. I, I would think that he is the reason and DeAndre Swift, of course, but this, this offense can't live without those two guys. And the Lions, of course, they are one of the worst secondaries in the league. So you really would have expected more points in this game. Didn't happen. Many people, I can imagine, went with the over on this game. I don't know off the top of my head what the over was, but I could only imagine most of them lost this bet. So let's go on now to the Thanksgiving preview the Detroit Lions taking on the Houston Texans Lions play every Thanksgiving. So I'm going to predict, uh, I'm going to give you a preview of this game. Deshaun Watson is, is still really good. Uh, he's the fifth, uh, fifth rated quarterback in PFF. He's got a great receiving core around him. Brandon cooks has been emerging as one of the better receivers uh, in the league after a quite a three year hiatus after he left uh, the, the, um, the New Orleans Saints, which I think was his prime statistically. Jordan Aikens, top five tight end in the league. Uh, this offense, they can't run the ball, but it, the Lions can't defend the pass. So I can imagine Deshaun Watson in this game is going to be feasting. And I could see this getting very high scoring. But after seeing that Lions-Panthers game, there are no, no guarantees. Um Texas have the third worst defense in the NFL, according to PFF. Their pass rush is the sixth worst. So you look at this offensive line for Detroit that is pretty sturdy. Uh, I think they'll have a good time protecting Matt Stafford in this game. That's why I lean towards this game being more in the higher uh, scoring numbers. But yeah, I think this game is going to be a good one. I think it's going to be a lot of points. Short week of preparation. Expect teams uh, to be tired, uh, especially with the fact that they played only a few days ago. So uh, if I'm going to give a prediction, score prediction on this game, I got the Texans winning. I'm going to say Texans win 31 
to 23. I think Matt Prater is going to sink three field goals because he's hungry for some more field goals after not making any uh, against the Panthers. So that's my prediction for that. Now, before I, I move on, or now that I finish that, there's just a couple more things I want to touch up on, and then I'm going to wrap up the show. It's a shorter show this week because of the holiday. I uh, wanted to get done earlier than usual. I'm going to move on now to um, the Minnesota game. The Minnesota game was was atrocious for Vikings fans. The, the Vikings lost 31-28 to the Dallas Cowboys, and... I mean, Kirk Cousins in this one looked great. He had a great game. Kirk Cousins, guys, is ranked sixth. He is the sixth best quarterback in BFF. I mean, he's having a good season. And the Vikings are getting everybody involved now. They're getting BC Johnson some catches now. Irv Smith is getting in the stat sheet more. Rudolph. And then, of course, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen just want to show the... uh, what I had last week was in my in my hot takes prediction, there was one that hit, and that was the number four feverish take. Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen combined for over 200 yards receiving and two touchdowns plus. They did that. They had 209 yards total receiving, and they combined for three touchdowns. Thielen had 123 yards receiving on eight catches, two touchdowns. Justin Jefferson with just a modest three catches for 83 yards uh, and or 86 yards, excuse me, and one touchdown. All of his catches are deep balls this year. Uh, I think I was, it was last week I was looking at his PFF numbers out of the slot and nobody runs longer routes out of the slot than Justin Jefferson on average. I believe his average route run before the pass getting to him is nine yards down the field on average, which is very far. He's a guy that doesn't need to just be a slot guy. He doesn't play even a majority of the snaps in the slot. He's just doing it because Adam Thielen is such a great wideout. Um, and I think Jefferson is going to be a great receiver in this league for, for years to come. The receiving core I could talk about all day. I mean, when Kirk Cousins has time, they are amazing at connecting with these guys. Pressure versus no pressure. When pressured, Kirk Cousins in this game was 4 for 11 for 41 yards. When there was no pressure, Kirk Cousins went 18 for 19, 273 yards and three touchdowns. Kirk Cousins, when protected, clearly is a good quarterback, but it's when he's not, (laughs) as I'm stating quite the obvious, but as a Viking fan, after watching Kirk Cousins play now for two and a half years, it's pretty clear the guy doesn't improvise. He's not quick on his feet. A la Daniel Jones, a guy who sometimes when the first read isn't there or when the pocket's collapsing, makes mistakes. Um, Kirk Cousins, very similar. He's not great on his feet. He's not super mobile. And he he stares down his receivers often. So I think uh, Kirk Cousins really could use a better pass-blocking offensive line. Um, that would help him a lot. I know the Vikings have invested in that offensive line with – they have Riley Reef, who's pretty high paid. Garrett Bradbury, they drafted last season, who's in the first round. Ezra Cleveland, who is their second round pick now, starting at right guard. Um, 
they have they need to improve that offensive line. They need to get better pass blockers. Expect the Vikings to probably draft a left tackle in this year's draft or sign a pretty good one if they have the money. Um, but yeah, this this Viking team defensively is what lost it. Thirty one points to the Cowboys. Oh God, this was this was pathetic. Chris Boyd, uh, Jeff Gladney, the same guys every week. It's the usual suspects. Jeff Gladney, 39 PFF grade this week. Chris Boyd, 44 PFF grade. Those are atrocious numbers, and uh, it's, it's not surprising based on how they've played this year. Nice to see Cam Dantzler back and healthy after a really scary hit he took versus Green Bay a few weeks ago. Cam Dantzler had a concussion, got carried off in a stretcher, but now he's back on the field. And in fact, he was probably their least bad corner in this game. And that's kind of how you judge the Viking secondary this year is who is playing the least bad. And Cam Dantzler has seemed to be that guy who has been the least uh, exposed out of all of them. But that's no excuse for, for how they're playing uh, at all. But yeah, Minnesota defensively, Eric Hendricks, what would we do without him? Anthony Harris, uh, guys like that. Those are the only mainstays on this team. Vikings had just one sack in this game against a really banged up offensive line from Dallas. This is pathetic football from Minnesota in a year where it's so much easier to make the postseason with that extra wild card spot. The Vikings still find themselves in the hunt. It's amazing. At four and six, they're only two games behind the six and four Arizona Cardinals for seventh place. It's incredible as the uh, the Vikings go to play the Jaguars this week. I expect the Vikings to get back on track, win that game uh, for sure. Uh, looking ahead for the the Packers, let's move to just the week. 12 or week 13 rather i think we're in week 13 already jeez it's crazy the packers play the bears um on sunday night football i look forward to that one my prediction for that game i think the packers will win pretty handily i give them 26 27 points to about 14 with trubisky starting but besides that this is uh this division has really shaken up uh if we looked at the at the nfc north throughout this year they went from really high and now they're starting to go really low with the vikings failing the bears going down and the lions also looking atrocious uh and the packers looking very flawed what was once seen as the best division in football in my eyes is now really at the bottom of the uh of the totem pole and no pun intended and Christy Dorsey, thank you for watching with the comment. What do you think about the Giants' chances? Well, I, <laughs> if I were to go out on a limb, the NFC East, I mean, we're talking divisions here. The NFC East for sure has, the, has it locked that they are the worst division in football. With that said, the Giants, I believe, have just one more division game left to play, which could hurt them, but this week they do play the uh, Cincinnati Bengals minus Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon. And I just heard Giovanni Bernard is being held out of practice. So I think the Giants definitely pick up a win this week and prove to uh, four and seven. I think the Giants have a pretty good shot. Uh, if Andy Dalton, I think right now it comes down to 
between the the Washington football team, the Eagles, and the um, the Giants. I think we could. The Cowboys are out. I think the Giants have the best shot. They've beat the Washington football team twice. They split with the Eagles, and they have one more with the Cowboys that they absolutely have to win to lock the postseason. I think the Giants have the best shot, Christine. <laughs> A month of winning football. Uh, Careful there. Christmas isn't here just yet for Giants fans. I don't think they're. I don't think they're going to have a month of winning football. If they could string together two wins in a row, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, moving. Uh, before I end the show, I just want to say to everybody, uh, thank you for watching. Thanks for all the comments. Really appreciate it. Uh, thanks to my guests Rob Murphy and Kevin O'Brien for coming on. Thanks to James Montefusco for sticking backstage, helping me get this show running, and to everybody watching. Have a happy Thanksgiving. You could watch this show after on Facebook Live, uh, on Facebook at Review and Preview Sports. You could also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports to watch it tomorrow. So everybody, happy Thanksgiving. And as you see, the Facebook page and YouTube channel, that's where all of our shows will be published because the anchor is down, meaning we can't get this show on Spotify just this moment. We'll try to get it on there as soon as we can. But everybody, Happy Thanksgiving and enjoy football and turkey tomorrow.